Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Today, we are going to continue to walk through the introduction of the Holy Spirit, and today we're going to talk about empowered by the Spirit, and empowered by the Spirit, what that looks like, and we understand that um, God, as we just said, He wants to speak to you, He wants to reveal truth to us, He wants to guide us, He wants to give us wisdom, but He also wants to give us power. And so for some of you that have been attending for a while, um, we don't hide this, and so it's already out there. Um, and if you're brand new with us, you picked a great day to come, because um, you will see on our signs and that this is Bethel Pentecostal Church. And this morning, we're going to talk about a lot of Pentecostal stuff and Pentecostal beliefs and where it comes from and why we believe that. And so hopefully I can answer some of your questions today. Hopefully it clarifies some stuff. But I also want you to know anytime we preach on anything and I'm challenging you like, hey, go try it, go apply it. I also want you to know that if at the end of a message or we're talking and teaching on something and you have questions, I want you to know that I love coffee and we can sit down and talk. And so I'm never afraid of questions. I believe questions are great. You just have to hang out with me for a while and see how many questions I ask. And that's how we learn. So if you have questions, let's grab a coffee. There's a lot of great coffee shops in town, and man, I'll drink coffee all day long. It's probably a problem, but we will. All right, so here, I want to talk to you. We're going to start first in Acts 1. Acts 1, starting at verse 4, it says this, And while staying with them, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So not many days from now, you're going to get baptized by the Holy Spirit, but you need to wait. Now it's interesting, he didn't suggest to them, you should, you know, hey, it's up to you guys, but if I was you, I would hang out for a little bit. He didn't say that, it says he ordered them. He ordered them, and the, the Greek word here used for uh, ordered is paragao, and it means command, charge, order, uh, strictly charge. And so this is not a kindly suggestion. This is Jesus saying, do this, all right? So how many people realize this is right before Jesus leaves them, okay? He, this is right before he leaves and goes to heaven. So what he is telling them is important. This is like some of the last things he says. So I want you to understand that when he is ordering them, he's not saying to them, hey, I'm going to have you guys go do some stuff for me. And so maybe you want the Holy Spirit. He is telling them strictly, ordering them, do not go anywhere. It doesn't matter what translation you look at, this is not a suggestion. This is not a suggestion. Jesus knew the only way for them to do what was needed, they would need not just the Holy Spirit, 
they needed to be baptized by the Holy Spirit and receive his full power. Now, how do I, why do I say two different things? Why do I say not only do they need the Holy Spirit, but they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, John 20, 21 to 22, it says this, And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So right here, the Greek word for receive is labano, and it, is to, it says to receive, took, take, seize. So they have fully taken the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in them, and he's living in them. So this is like when you get saved, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to save you, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. Okay, this is what the disciples had right here. Jesus breathed on them. They have the Holy Spirit, but Jesus then tells them, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's two different experiences. We receive the Holy Spirit when we ask him into our life. Because here, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Jesus doesn't live in you. The Holy Spirit does. Scripture is very clear that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You can read um, in Acts, when Stephen is getting stoned to death, the heavens open up and he sees Jesus standing beside the Father. So that is where Jesus is. The one that is here with us is Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit lives in us. So why do they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit referred to in Acts 1.5? Because Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So when did they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, this is where our fellowship gets its name from. We are part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. We are part of the Western Ontario District of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Try saying that a lot of times fast. Um, that's why they're all abbreviated to PAOC, if you hear that, or some people just call it PAOC, all right? <laughs> and so this is what we're part of, and we get our name from the day of Pentecost, where in Acts 2, starting at verse 1, it says this, Then the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So as we talk about they were filled with, to understand filled, again, I'm using some Greek just so this morning so you understand what was happening, what was going on. And the Greek word here is pimplomia, and it is to fill with, Fill full of, fill completely. So this wasn't just a little dab. This wasn't a partial impartation. This was fully, completely uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. Now we understand that when we read Acts 2, and it talks about the Spirit came that sound like a rushing wind. So there was a sound involved. And there appeared like fire. So there was different manifestations that were happening. And as we continue on, you're going to see how people were drawn because of the sound. So the wind was not just something they heard in the room. It was heard. Okay? It created a sound. And as this happened, not only was there fire and wind, another sign of the infilling of the Spirit that believers began to speak in other tongues. 
they began to speak in other tongues. So yes, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a second event after salvation. And yes, we believe that the initial evidence of that is speaking in tongues. This is what we believe. And so here is where we're going to camp for the rest, and we're going to discuss and talk about the different types of tongues. Maybe you're brand new to this, and you just heard me say, like, we're going to talk about tongues, what's that? And we're going to talk about different tongues. There's different tongues, what is going on? We're going to talk through it. We're going to walk through it this morning. But before we do that, I just want us to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you teach us, you mold us, you guide us, you correct us, and you empower us. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross. Let my words be your words. I pray that all of us in the room, myself included, we have open ears and open hearts and open minds to hear from you this morning, Father. Lord, I lay aside all the things that I was taught growing up. I lay aside uh, things that I believe just to hear from you, Holy Spirit, fresh revelation this morning. And so, Lord, help me to leave here changed. Help all of us to leave here changed by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we start to dive in and to look at this, the first thing I want to look at is why people believe this doesn't happen. That's the first spot I want to start. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Between 1 Corinthians and 13 and 14 is probably where we're going to camp most of the time. We'll pull up some different scripture verses as we go. But this is where we're going to camp. So if you have your Bibles, I would go to 1 Corinthians 13. If, this, if you normally don't take notes, this is probably one that you want to take notes to. So you can go back and examine it for yourselves. You can test things and walk it through. But 1 Corinthians 13 says this, starting at verse 8. Love never ends. We all agree. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, we, when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So here, people believe when the perfect comes, as we prophesy in part and as we, give, um, as we speak in tongues in part, that will pass away when perfect comes. But here is the problem. Perfect has not come. All you have to do is look at our world and realize perfect isn't here. Uh, we still need knowledge. We still need understanding. But what people believe is when the Bible was put together, that this was perfect. Now, don't get me wrong. This is God-breathed. I don't think there's anything incorrect with it. But they believe that because this is here, we don't need tongues or prophecy anymore. The difficulty with that is our society, if you look at it, perfect is not here. We are not in a perfect place. We are not restored to what God had before. And so what Paul is talking about, um, as you look at the word perfect, again, it's a Greek word, uh, teleoso, perfect, complete, without a spot. That's not us. That is not who we are. That is not what society is like. And so when they are talking about this, they're um, believing that perfect is here. But Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says this, so just a few verses down, I'm not jumping to another chapter, I'm not jumping to another book, I'm continuing where Paul is writing just a few more verses, and it says this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall now fully, even as I have been fully known. So what Paul is talking about is when Jesus comes back, and we see Jesus face to face, perfect is here. 
perfect is here. The Greek word for face here is trosopon. trosopon. I was much better at these words in the first service. And of course, John, you're here in this one. It's wonderful for me. Um, It means face, present, or person. It's actually the same word that's used in Genesis 32 when Jacob saw the face of God. In Numbers 12, when God is talking to Aaron and Miriam and correcting them because of what they've done to Moses, when he tells them, I talk to Moses face to face. These are the same words. It's the same word being used. And also in Matthew 18, when Jesus is talking about angels seeing the face of the Father. So when Paul is using this, he's not talking about scriptures. He's talking about when Jesus comes back and we are able to see Jesus face to face, then we no longer need prophecy or tongues. And I fully agree. I do believe that prophecy and tongues will cease when Jesus is here. But until Jesus gets here, We need prophecy. We need fresh revelation from the Lord. We need him to speak to us, and it balances with Scripture, of course. But this is how the misunderstanding is. Perfect is not here. When perfect comes, when Jesus comes back, I fully agree that it stops. But he's not here. So if we still need tongues, let's talk about it. In his book, John Bevere refers to four different types of tongues. He refers to two public tongues and two private tongues, two different sets. And so we're going to first start with, number one, tongues as a sign to unbelievers. Yes, tongues is meant to be a sign to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians uh, 14.22 says this, Thus signs are, or sorry, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. So this here, the tongues that they're talking about is when the Holy Spirit goes beyond our learned knowledge, okay? It goes beyond our intellect that gives us the ability to speak another earthly language, another earthly language. And so on the day of Pentecost, we read this, Acts 2, starting going to verse 5 now, it says this, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devoted men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multiple, uh, at, the, at this sound, the multitude came together. So here the sound of the wind and everything was going on, it drew them together, and they were bewithered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? It rhymes through all the different people there, the languages that are there. And then down in the middle of verse 11, it says, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And we are amazed, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? So here they are, the disciples are speaking in tongues, Everybody around them from different nations, different um, languages are hearing it in their own language. And they're like, they are declaring the mighty works of God. But they're all Galileans. So how does this happen? (coughs) I doubled that. Sorry. Um, This is where the Spirit empowers us. And so I want to tell you, like, does this still happen today? Is there times where people will speak in tongues 
And it doesn't need what we call an interpretation. We'll get to that later. It actually is given in a translation. Okay? So what happens is uh, one of our actual leaders of our district a few years ago, he's not our leader anymore, he attended a church in Mississauga called Portico. And he said rarely was he there two Sundays back to back. And when he is there, uh, he likes to just kind of hang out the back and like pretend he's not there because of his role in our district. And so he was there. Somebody gave a words of tongues. So somebody spoke out in tongues. And he felt immediately that he had what he would call the interpretation. And he quickly said, God, use somebody else. I don't want people to know I'm here. And it didn't go away, so he gave the interpretation. Service went on. The following week, he's back in attendance, and he says, very rare for his role. He's usually out at different churches, but he was there two weeks in a row. And as he walks in, somebody walks up to him that he knows bringing a friend. And he says, our friend has some questions about last week. He's like, yeah, sure, what's your question? And the friend immediately just goes, I just want to ask, how long have you been speaking Spanish? And Pastor Shepard just goes, I don't speak Spanish. And the person this, said this, I am the head of the Spanish department at the Toronto University, and I could not translate what was said any better than you did. So what you need to understand is here, Pastor Shepard gives in his heart an interpretation, but in the room... There's a gentleman who doesn't know Jesus, hears this and goes, oh, I know what he's saying. He's speaking in Spanish. That's interesting. Oh, this guy just translated what he said. No, I don't speak Spanish. That is a sign to an unbeliever how the Holy Spirit works. And it still happens today. I was talking to a couple from our church in the foyer before service, and they told me the same story of somebody else, but it was Greek. I don't know about you, but... I speak in tongues all the time in my private life. It sounds weird. I'm not going to deny it. But maybe it's a, like, I don't know. But don't realize it can be used for a sign to unbelievers because there is a tongue and an interpretation and many times a translation. If you're ever in a room and somebody speaks in a, in a tongue and all of a sudden somebody in the room goes, Stands up and they're like, I'm actually not interpreting. I speak this language. I'm going to translate. It's amazing and it is a witness. The second one is a tongues for interpretation. And we have that operate here in church many times. And when the tongue of a heavenly language that needs to have an interpretation, and this is what Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 10b, it says, to another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. They go together. And so we have this happen on a Sunday morning where somebody will speak out in tongues and then you'll hear them wait for a minute and they'll be waiting for somebody else in the room to give the interpretation. And as they wait, what they are supposed to do is they're supposed to pray so they themselves will get the interpretation because here's what you have to understand with this gift. If tongues happen in a public setting, there has to be an interpretation. Okay, so if you're, if you're new to this, you're like, this sounds a little bit weird. No, there's, there's order. This is what Paul's walking through. So Scripture is actually clear that if you speak in a tongue publicly and there is no interpretation, 
You're supposed to be quiet and sit down. That's what it says. So if you speak in a tongue and nobody else is interpreting it, you're supposed to pray. Lord, give me the interpretation. Like that's basically like, somebody's got to do it. Give it to me, Lord. And you give the interpretation. Because without the interpretation, it's not supposed to happen. Now, this tongue is exclusively given to the church for its edification. So the church is edified by this. See, here's what we have to understand. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 to 30 says this. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Well, the answer to all those questions is no. Not all do every one of those, but the gifts are distributed the way the Holy Spirit wants to to those. And so in this room, I'm guessing between everybody sitting in this room, we probably have all of this covered. It's just the way God puts the body together. But not everybody does all of it. But then in verse 31 it says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So we are supposed to seek after prophecy. We're supposed to seek after tongues. We're supposed to seek after these things. But not everybody is given the gift of public tongues, okay? Now, do I believe that every one of us has a gift of private tongues? Yes, we're gonna get to that. But not all of us have public tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 22 says, and this is where we kind of pull away from this because Paul talks and he's confusing, okay? He says this in verse 22 of 14. Thus, tongues are not or, sorry, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? So tongues is a witness to unbelievers, but if we all speak in tongues and unbelievers show up, they'll think we're out of our minds. Paul, are you out of your mind? We read these verses and it's confusing because in one sense, Paul's going, it's for unbelievers. In the next one, they're going to think you're nuts. So here is what he means. He's talking about the two different types of tongues. Okay, so what he's referring to is tongues in um, public tongues are a sign for unbelievers. So when there's a tongue in a translation or interpretation, that's for unbelievers. They go, wow, that's powerful. That's under So this guy spoke in a heavenly language. This person here told us what it meant. Wow. Okay. So what is Paul talking about when he says um, that tongues, if, you, if everybody speaks in tongues, they'll think you're nuts. He's not saying that. He says out of your minds. Same thing. Um, tongues, public tongues is a sign for unbelievers. Private tongues done in public will make us look out of our minds. Okay, so what are private tongues? Private tongues is when you're praying in your private time. So I have never had the gift of public tongues. I've never spoken in a setting publicly with tongues. But every Sunday morning, I am over here praying and worshiping in tongues. But if you were to come and ask me what I'm saying, I will tell you, I don't know. But on the flip side of that, it's not for any of you. It's just for me. So what Paul is saying is if every one of us began to pray in our heavenly languages right now and there was no interpretation and somebody walked in the room, he would be like, 
These people are nuts. Yes, we would be. Okay? Now, does that mean private tongues are never used corporately? No. What Paul is referring to, if you look at the scriptures, he says, if unbelievers are unknowing or with you. So if you come to a prayer meeting here, you might hear one of the pastoral staff say, hey, let's everybody pray in a heavenly language. And everybody will just pray in a heavenly language. And we're not looking for an interpretation. Why? Because we're all interceding on our own. And we truthfully, honest, if I'm honest, it's hard enough to get church people out to a prayer meeting, let alone somebody who's not a believer just walking in off the street. So in a prayer meeting, I'm not expecting unbelievers or unknowing people to be in the room. Literally right now, as I'm teaching, all of you now, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you are now out of the category of unknowing. So really, if I wanted to, I'd actually feel comfortable praying in tongues right now. Because at least you'd be able to go, I don't know if I agree, but I understand what he's doing. Right? I'm not looking for you to agree, I'm looking for you to understand. So you'll understand what's happening. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Melissa came up and she began to sing in tongues. And then all of a sudden she switched from singing in tongues and started singing in English. Well, that's tongues and interpretation done in a song. So I would even tell you that if you came to an encounter service or a Holy Spirit weekend, and all of a sudden one of us as pastoral staff said, let's all pray in tongues, I'm actually okay with that. Because again, it's a specific service. On a Sunday morning, you probably aren't going to see me come up here and go, everybody, let's pray in tongues. Because I also believe every Sunday morning is somebody's first Sunday here at church. And I don't want them to go, they're nuts. If this is your first Sunday, welcome aboard. Um, And so there is private tongues. And this is what we're going to talk about now. The third one is tongues for a personal prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 4, says, For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises, as we just talked about, in my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So this is where when you're praying, Yes, pray in the Spirit, but pray in English so you're getting both. Because you yourself need to know, okay, what am I praying for? I'm praying for this and this and this and this. Now I'm not sure what to keep praying for, so I'm just going to let the Spirit pray for me. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not of men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. See, when you're praying in your private time, We're supposed to pray with both because there's moments in my life where as I'm praying, I know what I want to pray for. I know what I need to pray for. But has anybody ever run out of English? You know what I mean? Like you're praying into something and you know, like I just, I just got to pray more. I I don't know what to say. And the spirit will pray for you. See, here's the neat thing. When you look at Greek and Hebrew, they had so many words to define certain things. Like when you look at love, they had so many different words that meant love. See, the problem in our society today is I will tell you that I love chicken wings and I told you I love coffee and the weird thing is in the same sentence, it almost sounds equal, I love my wife. Like, your wife and chicken wings are the same? No. But this is why sometimes we need the Spirit to pray for us because we run out of words. Maybe it's just me, but you got to, you 
expand. In personal tongues, we use to build ourselves up. Jude 20, 21 says, or Jude 20 and 21 says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up you're in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in love of, the, of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Here's what you need to understand. Right here when Jude says, praying in the Holy Spirit. The early church didn't need to say, pray in tongues. When they said, pray in the Holy Spirit, they knew what it meant. They just knew. If I'm standing up here and I'm like, let's pray in the Holy Spirit, that's tongues. That's the heavenly language. That's the Holy Spirit praying through me. And this is what they were referring to here. So we use the personal tongue to build ourselves up. This is why when Paul talks about fan into flame the gifts that are in you, there are times in your life, maybe you've spoken tongues before and you're like, I just haven't done it for a long time. Just start. What do you mean just start? Start saying the words. You mean I can just say it whenever I want? Yes. Here's the, like, just not the crazy thing, because some people, some people, this is where the misunderstanding is. You actually have to say the words. Holy Spirit doesn't come and puppet you and start moving your mouth. You will get words in your head that you have to speak. That's why it is activated by faith. Tongues for intercession, this is the fourth one. Tongues for intercession is Romans 8, 26, 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches the hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for us deeper than we will ever know. We need to allow the Spirit to intercede for us because here's the thing. Have you ever gone to God to pray and spend time in prayer because you're needing a breakthrough, but you know what the breakthrough should be? See, when the Spirit intercedes for us, he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Just because I want it doesn't mean it's right. Do you realize that Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, he actually prayed, Lord, if possible, Father, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. He knew what was coming. And he's like, God, if there is another way, let's go that way. But his response is, what, is what's so blessing. But not my will, your will. And for us, this is the spirit. He intercedes for us into God's will, not our own. And sometimes it's better. And by sometimes I mean always. His will is always better. The Spirit will wake us up to pray in intercession. Anybody ever get woken up by the Spirit? Right? You get woken up and somebody's name is on your head. Not on your head, in your head. <laughs> Maybe it's on your head. I don't know. But you wake up. And if you're like me and somebody's name is in your mind, the first thing you think is this, Lord, wake somebody else up. But he doesn't. But here's the other thing. If he wakes you up and you're like me, it's usually between 1 and 3 a.m. Guess what you're not doing at 1, and three, 1 or 3 a.m.? You're not calling the person. 
Or at least if that's new wisdom to you, don't call the person. <laughs> All right? Because if you ask them, the Lord just woke me up, you're on my mind, what am I supposed to pray for? You would probably hear that I can go back to sleep. Okay? So you begin to pray, but you don't know what to pray for. And eventually, you're going to run out of things. If Carlo comes to my mind and I start praying for Carlo, Carlo, the first thing I'm honestly going to pray, if I got woken up and Carlo's on my mind, I'm going to pray that he can sleep. Why? Because I'm up. If I'm up, maybe he's up. And if he sleeps, maybe I can sleep. So Lord, just help Carlo sleep. And then I'm going to move on to other things like our own intellect. Lord, I pray for his health. I pray for uh, direction for him. I pray for him and Maddie. I pray for his family. I pray for his house. I pray for his vehicle. I pray for everything. <sighs> can I go back to bed? No. So I don't know what to pray. So I begin to pray in tongues because I don't know. Yesterday, I spoke in Cambridge uh, at a workshop and driving down, as I, because of the topic I was speaking on, I, I just needed God to move and just to make sure he was going to speak through me and and. I began to pray because there was things that I knew I needed him to do. And then I switched to tongues because as I'm teaching, I know there's things happening in the spiritual that I don't know what's going on. And so I trust that my spirit will intercede on the things that I don't know. And then, yeah, I came back to the things in English that I knew that needed to touch on and then back to the things in tongues, back and forth. You mean you can go back and forth? Absolutely. See, here's the neat thing. Bible tells us that the spirit is submission to the prophet. So therefore, I can speak in tongues whenever I want to, and I can also not speak in tongues whenever I want to. It's amazing. So therefore, this is what he does. The spirit is there for us to build ourselves up. It's there for a witness to unbelievers if it's done correctly. And our private tongue is to build us up and to intercede for other people. So here's what we want to do this morning. So now what do we do? I'm going to ask the prayer team to join me. They're going to line across the front. They're going to stand here for a minute because we're going to walk through a couple more scriptures. But I want you to understand, I can't talk to you about the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the ability to speak in tongues and how important tongues is to our, our spiritual journey without giving you a chance to receive. But here's something. Maybe you're in the room and you're like, Chad, I've never heard this before. So this is kind of intriguing. Chad, I've heard this before and I think you're wrong. I don't think tongues is for everybody. So I just want to read a couple scripture verses that I think we can all agree on. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So if we can all agree that this word right here, all the scriptures are from God, he breathes them, so therefore, everybody that wrote it down, it doesn't matter if it was Moses, it doesn't matter if it was Paul or Peter, they were writing down what God told them to write down. I think we can all agree on that. So then when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues then that's God. God is saying to everyone, I want you all to speak in tongues. See, if you read through 1 Corinthians, the, the church in Corinth, I'm not going to lie, the church in Corinth was messed up. 
Paul's whole letter, like his letters were like, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, do it this way, do it this way. He was correcting them. And so sometimes when we look at it and we see these gifts, we're like, man, he's doing a lot of correcting. Yes, he was. But he also says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. And I'm just simple enough to believe that word all means everyone. Every one of us. Paul also goes on in 1 Corinthians 14 to say this in verse 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So with all the correction I've done, with everything I told you how to do it, by the way, don't forbid it. Because see, sometimes I think we can get to a point where it's like, I've seen it done in such a bad way, Chad, that I just don't want anything to do with it. Who here has ever gone to a restaurant to eat? No, if you have, raise your hand, nice and high. Wait, like, yep, I've gone out to eat. Okay, who here has ever had a bad experience at a restaurant? All right, pretty much everybody, okay. Have you gone back out to eat since then? Maybe a different restaurant. Just because you've experienced a move of the Spirit in a negative way, don't assume it's all negative. I want you to know my heart. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move in every one of your lives. I believe that if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that he wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't spoken in tongues, it's already in you. It's just a step of faith to speak it out. My heart is this, as leadership, I can tell you, Melissa, in my heart, We believe that the Spirit of God should move. But when the Spirit moves, keep it simple. Don't overthink it. Keep it sane. It's not going to be crazy. But I'm going to touch on that for a second in a minute. Keep it sane, but keep it supernatural. And my heart is, as a church, as we grow in this, that the supernatural will become so natural. Do you know when people walk up to me in the front and they're like, I just feel like God says something. I never look at them and go, really? I believe he speaks to every one of you. It's natural. But I want you to, as we talk about sane for a moment, just two seconds real fast. When we talk about sane, I want you to know the move of the Holy Spirit does not really care about your comfort zone. Now, Understand me, I don't want it crazy, but I want Holy Spirit to move. And I know everybody says, well, we should be able to back up what he's doing to scripture. And I agree to a point. What do you mean? On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit moved and he came like a rushing wind and he appeared like fire and the Bible tells us that people thought they were drunk, which in my mind, they're probably falling over. Do you know, there is no scriptural reference for that. We now have one because they wrote it down. Now hear my heart, I don't want crazy, but I don't want my comfort to stop God from moving. Okay, so there's a tension there. There'll always be a tension and I'm okay with tension because here, understand me, and I think you will agree with this, 
I would rather feel a little uncomfortable and see God change people's lives than feel comfortable and not see lives transformed. Okay? Do you know, um, I've been regularly going back to the gym, and do you know that to really change physically, it stinking hurts. Okay? So when the spirit moves, it might stretch you a bit, but you're going to grow. So just be open to the growth. So this means that God still wants everyone to speak in tongues. It's to equip you. It's to power you. It is not a badge of honor. Can I clarify that? It is so that you can pray and fill yourself up, build yourself up so you can go and share the gospel. That's what it's meant for, to be witnesses for him. So this morning, we're going to take time to pray with you. And I want everyone in the room to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in tongues. So maybe you've already received this before. Maybe you're sitting here in chat of receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues. Do you need a fresh touch? And if you do, let them pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, this is the very first time I've ever heard something like this. I think you're a little nuts but it intrigues me. And all I did today, I came just because I want God to move in my life. And really, all I really want is just all that God has for me. And maybe this Holy Spirit and tongues thing is what he has for me. Perfect. Let somebody pray with you. Maybe you're here and you just say, well, Chad, I, I believe I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I just haven't spoken in tongues. So let somebody pray with you. My heart is that you're just open. Open to all that God has. Because that's my heart for my own life. I just want more. God, what do you want in my life? I just want him to move. So let's stand together. And if you're here and any one of those was you, Chad, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before and I've spoken in tongues, but it's been a little while. I need a fresh touch. I'm actually going to ask you to move right now. Don't wait till I close in prayer. If that's you, come right now. And if you're here and you say to me, hey, Chad, I believe I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I've just never spoken in tongues before. Well, then come right now come right now. Let them pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and your thought pattern is actually, Chad, before this morning, I thought this whole tongues thing was a little nutty. But when you spoke, there was something inside of me that just meant, kind of went, oh, maybe. I'll take a maybe. And if you're a maybe, just come. Let somebody pray with you. The only thing that's going to happen is you might walk out the same. The other thing you might do is walk out of here changed with something that you didn't even really fully know. It happens to a lot of people. You just have to say, sure. It's how simple I think it is. Sure, God, let's try it. So now here, if you speak in tongues and you, and this, and you receive it for the first time today, or... 
You've spoken in tongues before, but in your head you're like, Chad, I did it, but I really thought it was just me. None of us are smart enough to create an own language. And if the enemy is telling you that you made it up, I want you to know you didn't make it up. You want to know why? If you made it up, he'd leave you alone and let you do it. And so I'm going to close in prayer. And maybe you don't want to walk up when all the people are standing here, but don't leave here the same, please. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word and what it speaks to us. Lord, I pray for just an openness in all of our hearts and all of our minds to the fullness of what you have for us, Lord God. Lord, I pray that every day you continue to mold me to look more like you. You continue to reveal truth to me in your word. Lord, reveal things to me that I thought were right and are not. Lord, show me the things that I thought were wrong and are actually right. Lord, guide me every step. Holy Spirit, today I pray for fresh outpouring on everybody's life in this place. Change us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come and receive prayer. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.